Welcome to the C3 Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. Hello, everyone. How are we doing today? Good? We are like in a spirit of celebration. We have a lot going on at C3, and as Pastor Angie said, we, are, we had a wonderful graduation last night celebrating our students, 19 of them. In fact, do we have any other students who just graduated here in the room and in Colchester? And Barry, if you are here, can you please stand up for a moment? Come on, stand up. Let's give them a round of applause in all of our locations and Cambridge. Well done. Well done. You know, I have the privilege of serving here as discipleship pastor, but also the academy director. So I get to see the journey. I meet them at the beginning, and you're graduating today. There is a lot to celebrate. So I thought, rather than me just telling you about Academy, let's hear about them. What do they think? How did God work in their lives? Don't they look good in their gowns? Yeah, I wish I could be wearing one, but I'm not a graduate, so. Um, We have Esther, Andrew, and Cynthia. I would like to ask you some questions. I'm going to start with you, Esther. Whoa. Why, a year ago, did you decide to do Academy? Great question, Rosemary. Um... (laughs) So I was actually speaking to someone that was an academy as well, um, and he was like, academy is great. He was explaining like what we do and everything, what the, we learn, and I was like, you know what, I want to do that. It seems really cool. And at my old church as well, we had like an academy type thing, but I was too young, unfortunately. When I heard we had one here, I was like, you know what, sign me up. Yeah. Quick decision. That was good. How about you, Andrew? Uh, so I had the benefit of my wife, Anita, doing Academy the year before. Um, and uh, it was something that she really wanted to do. And I must admit, I was a bit cool on the idea at the time. Um, but then I saw the massive transformation that it had on her and the other students um, across all the locations. And about half the, halfway through the year, I was like, do you know what? Yeah, you know, I helped out a little bit more with family responsibilities um, the year Anita was doing it, she said that she would do the same and, and has done over this last year, so we've kind of tag-teamed it, and it's just worked super well. Um, so, yeah, uh, I saw the, the transformation that it had in, in her, really, and, and the other students, and it's been the same this year as well. Yeah. And you know, that's something we really value about the Academy. It's not only a year where you get to know more about the Bible, self-leadership, and leadership, how God created you. But you learn all of that in context of community. You're learning with one another, together, asking questions. So just I love that. It is truly transformational. Um, how about you, Cynthia? So a year ago, about today, I was sitting at the C3 service at the Barry St. Edmunds campus. So shout out to the Barry team. And, um, and it was Academy Sunday, and two graduates were up talking about their experience. And I just thought, this sounds like something... I'd be really interested in for a couple reasons. One, I felt like I really wanted to elevate my leadership skills and wanted to take a deeper dive into what the Bible and what God says about leadership. And I also liked the intentionality of the program. There's a curriculum. So I felt like that's a way I would stay on top of it and study. And, um, and then the third, I just wanted to meet more people through the church. And it definitely delivered on that front, too. So we, uh, the class concept was very appealing to me. Good. Cynthia is uh, sadly leaving us next week, but she's going back to the U.S. Um, but, yeah, thank you for your contribution. 
um, we'll stay. One, we always say, one C3, always C3. So we will stay connected. Um, I'm going to continue with you. Like, what was one thing you learned, or how were you changed throughout this year? Well, I think um, I, I got a better vision, a more clear vision, I think, for how I want to serve in the future. And um, part of that was we go through a, a series of assessments that Angie led us through and our personal strengths and our personality traits that are God-given and our experiences. And through that, I had a kind of an epiphany that um, I've had this idea that I wanted to really connect people through an oral history kind of project that's been on the side um, to my work. And I just thought I could do that more by w w as a form of service. So that was um, made aware to me through this program and just one of many examples. Thank you. How about you, Andrew? Uh, yeah, I think for me it was the, the first term really great a condensement of scripture, really bringing everything together in a very holistic way and a, and a great overview of the Bible. Um, and that really set the foundation to some uh, distilled wisdom from the, from the faculty, from the, from the lecturers, really to get the caliber of people for an, you know, an hour and a half of lectures a week and an hour and a half tutorial. Uh, it was just really, really impactful. So, yeah. In so many ways, I can try to like pinpoint a couple. I think my confidence definitely grew like a lot. Um, I learned so much. Like I love academics and I love the Bible, but like putting them together was like one of my highlights. Like getting to do research, read books, and do reviews, do assignments and essays about the Bible, kind of made me like go deeper into Scripture, and I absolutely adored it. So yeah, love that. You know, I've been doing this for a few years, and one thing I always see is confidence. Because when you know God's word better, when you know who our God is, and then you know how we were created by him with our gifts and talents and callings, why wouldn't we be more confident? And I love seeing that every single year. Now, but let's also be real, real because Academy, it's one full year. It's a big commitment in terms of assignments, weekly tutorials. It's, it's quite intense in a way. So, were there any challenges you faced, and how did you overcome them? I'll start with Andrew this time. Uh, so, yeah, time is definitely one of them. But um, it, it soon dawned on me just how much time I was spending uh, binge-watching and doom-scrolling, uh, because if I said to myself, do you know what, I'm not going to do anything else this week on YouTube until I've watched my Academy videos, prioritize those first, you know, after a couple of days, they were done, and I'd, I'd hardly noticed that it had taken any time out. So, you know, it may seem like a commitment at the start, but if you stick with it, if you're diligent through it from the word that, that Steve spoke about last night, then it, it really is, yeah, achievable. So time may seem like a big problem now, but, yeah, when, once you start on that pathway, it becomes much more straightforward. Good, I love that. I love that. How about you, Esther? Time as well, definitely. Um, I'm a huge procrastinator, um, <laughs> which isn't a good thing, but it's, it's a fact. Uh, <laughs> but I think throughout Academy, I kind of learned how to like, put those things in place to help me. I'm, like, I'm not perfect, but help me become better and less of a procrastinator. So like, I dedicate Monday evenings to watching lectures, for example, and I'd 
like, if I want to watch something on YouTube, I'd watch it on, like, the topic that I'm, let's say, doing an essay on. If I want to listen to something, it'll be the book that I'm, like, doing an essay on. But, like, replacing those, like, things that I'd find myself doing, like, doom scrolling and, like, watching Netflix with things that will benefit the academy, like, situation. Yeah. Good. God gives us 24 hour, uh, hours. Yeah, hours in a day for a reason. So, how about you, Cynthia? I too was worried that adding another program to my life was putting something else on my plate and taking away from maybe my family and other areas. I work full time, I have two teenagers, but that obstacle or fear was alleviated by about a month or so into the program. I really realized that it doesn't take that much time, especially given the time management skills that they teach us in the academy. I would listen to the lectures that we had to hear ahead of time by on my um, commutes to work and when I took walks in the evening. And then I'd use my quiet time that I normally would have to read some of the academy readings. And I actually found a gift to myself was the time to reflect on a Saturday morning and even if it was working on a paper and, um, and just really digesting the material. Um, so it, it it was not too time consuming. In fact, it, it probably made me better at my time management. I, I was wondering if you mind sharing because you travel as well for work. Um, if anyone is busy, this could be Cynthia. So how do you manage like assignments? Can I just say something on that? <laughs> so when we were on the Zoom call every week, you never quite knew where Cynthia was going to be. Yep. Yep. She would be like maybe at home, maybe in a hotel somewhere, maybe walking through a park. We, so there were definitely some times where we were a little bit concerned that she was okay. <laughs> but it all works out. So uh, I think what Mo Rosemary is talking about is I confess that I wrote one of our papers on a flight back to the US. So I spent all seven or eight hours uh, writing a paper. But it was actually, I look back and I think that's the most memorable flight. I had so many insights and it was just, I, I got off the plane and actually felt much more refreshed than if I had watched movies or tried to take naps. And um, so I, I felt like that was, you, you fit it in and it was worthwhile. I love the commitment, <laughs> awesome. One last question. What would you tell or say to somebody who's maybe considering doing something else, going deeper in the Bible, knowing more about leadership, like academy. But they may be wondering, oh, time, finances, maybe it's not for me. What, what will you say to them to encourage them to consider it? Any of you? Um, I would say that I can see in the students' lives from last year, from this year, in Cambridge, in Bury, and Colchester, uh, just a step change in people that have done academy. And so I'd say that the sooner you do that, the sooner you do academy, the better for the long-term health of, of you, of church, of your faith. Um, yeah, do it sooner rather than later. Brilliant. I would say if you feel the urge by listening to this, trust your intuition because it is one of the most incredible experiences I think you can have. I brought this up with me. This is my book where I wrote down notes from the different high-level speakers we had, our different class, um, our insights that we would share with one another, thoughts from the reading that we had. And this is now a gift to me, but it's a gift that this church has given me, and I'm going to take it with me and use it and apply it and hopefully share with others throughout the rest of my life. Well done. Thank you.
And finally, I think I'd say just do it. Like the likelihood that God doesn't want you to take a term out to invest in your future and to learn more about him, I just don't think it's that high. Like, <laughs> not saying God wants you to, but that's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I think it was absolutely an amazing experience. And for me, I was worried about time. My friends were worried about time as well, but God made a way. So just do it. What's the worst that could happen? Like, oh, I learned too much? Like, that's, that's not going to be the case. <laughs> this younger generation that just said, I love it. Well, um, we're going to be around after the service. I'm going to be at Next Steps. If you'd like to have a chat, come and talk to us. Um, but we also thought, why not show you a little bit of what we did yesterday as we celebrated your amazing year in our ceremony last night. So have a look and see you later. Well, you could see how special a day that was, because I wore a suit. <laughs> Never again. No, no, I will for graduations. It was a wonderful day. I want to start this uh, shorter message that I've got today with a statement that I want us all to repeat. Whether you're online, whether you're in the prisons, whether you're at Colchester, Bury St. Edmunds, I'd like you to repeat this statement, because it's the essence of what I'm going to share and ultimately, it's the essence of what our academy is about, about what our church is about. So it's going to come up on the screen behind me, and I want us all to say it together. Ready? He became like us so that we might become like him. I want to say it again now with conviction. He became like us so that we might become like him. I want to read to you from a beautiful passage of the scripture. If you're allowed to have favorite parts of the Bible, this is one that I have. Colossians 1, 15 to 23. It says this. The Son. Oh, just that phrase. The Son. Is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. Or making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once 
You are alienated from God and you are enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm. Do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. I've given this, this talk a little title, which is this, Good to Grow. And we must always keep before us the God's intention for you and I, if you're a follower, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, God's intention is to transform us into the likeness of Christ. He became like us so that we might become like him. Making disciples is not seeking to conform anyone into our image unless our image reflects Christ. Some of you know, in my early days, I was involved in a very strong discipleship-type movement. And it was good, but the problem with it was we started to observe that so as we were discipled very strongly by some leaders, we started to become like them in some of their idiosyncrasies, which might have been the way they stood in worship or might have been the accent that they had, but something was amiss. There was two, we, we were becoming more conformed to our leaders and their personalities than we were to Christ. You, I want to I imitate Christ but you do not have to take on a slightly Scouse accent in order to become a follower of Jesus. And I know it's only slightly. Some of you may have seen this that was in the news a, a few months ago, which is an image, a computer-generated image of what Jesus may have looked like. Now, I don't know whether any of you have images in your mind of what Jesus, this is just a computer-generated image of what he may have looked like. When we talk about being transformed into the image of Christ, it's nothing to do with physicality. He may have looked like that, we don't know. I can see some of you staring at it and thinking, well, if it is that I'm going to become like that, I don't want to be. And others of you are thinking, well, that would be a definite advantage to look like that. I'm not looking at anyone as I say that. But we're not going to end up looking like Jesus in this way. You will be fully yourself, and a fully alive human being is someone who is like Jesus. That's what we're meant to be. Now John Piper, who I do not agree with everything that he teaches, but he has some good stuff to say, says this about image. Image is things like our morality, our sense of right and wrong, our rationality, our ability to reason, our spirituality, our ability to relates to God. Our aesthetic sense, he writes, you don't find too many monkeys creating a Mona Lisa. Or our judicial sense, the whole legal system that we have created, a sense of right and wrong, justice and injustice. I'm just going to throw this out there, but I was just looking at these three guys that were on stage. I don't know whether the other locations you've had different speakers, but I learned to my wife, I said, do you know, on that stage here, we've got a judge in the United States Air Force, if I'm allowed to mention that. We've got a mathematics genius who had his PhD in maths or whatever you had it in. You are, Andrew. And we have a child genius, as Esther was, in getting her maths degree when she was 12 years of age. 
You don't have to be like them in order to be transformed into the image of Jesus. You can be like me. I'm not going there. You can be like our academy has been so varied, and yet the, the essence of it is that people lean in to learn of Christ. And we can all learn of Jesus. And you never get to a place where you know it all. So think about it for yourself, because our goal in academy is to help you become more like Jesus. The Bible is chocked full of verses that reveal this theme about us being transformed into the likeness of Christ. We read it there, to be presented to him holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. He is the firstborn amongst the dead. He is the one that has paved a way that we're to follow. We should thank God. We read, I emphasized it, about his physical body. The physical body is important. There is a man in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father right now, which means there's a place secured for us in our humanity. We will be able to be accepted into that new order because of Jesus. Romans 8, 29, 28, 29, we quote this all the time when we're going through a tough time. And maybe we should. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. We believe that, don't we? But you know what ultimately the good is? This is what it is. Those who've been called according to his purpose, which is this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So every situation that we go through in life, the good ultimately that will come from it, and there may be all sorts of spin-off goods, but the core of the good thing is, through this, I'm going to become more like Jesus. I'm going to become more like him. That, that's God's purpose for us. That's so good. So whatever you're going through, embrace it and say, this is going to help me to be transformed to the likeness of Christ. Same apostle Paul said this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Another apostle in the New Testament said this, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you as an example so that you might follow in his steps. Another apostle, so this is at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. 1 John 3 verse 2, beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. So the concluding work of transformation won't be fully completed, which includes our new resurrection bodies, until we see him. But in the meantime, we're on a journey of change to become like our big brother, Jesus. Yeah. The normal Christian life, the standard, let's not lower it and think, oh, I can never, the standard that the kingdom of God has been set for us, the kingdom standard is that we can increasingly become like Jesus. He became like us so that we might become like him. Wow. See, Jesus didn't promise us a good life. He promised us a full life life. I've come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. A good life is too often defined by ease and comfort. So if you've got money in the bank, if you've got your health, and we thank God for all those things, but that doesn't define goodness. And that doesn't define 
Jesus or eternal life. In fact, having those things can sometimes be an obstacle to finding fullness of life. In this excellent book, which is so accessible by John Ortberg, Who Is This Man? He tells a story in there, which I'll read to you. He says, the story is told of two brothers who were rich but very wicked. Both lived a very wild life, using their wealth to cover up the dark side of their lives. They attended the same church and gave large sums of money to various church-related projects. Suddenly, one of the brothers died, and the pastor was asked to preach at his funeral. The surviving brother gave the pastor an envelope and said, here is a check that will pay for the entire amount needed for the new building project and I only ask you one favor. Tell the people at the funeral that my brother was a saint. Now, the pastor wanted the check, but he didn't see how he could make a statement like this. So he had an idea. So he gave the brother his word that he would do it, deposited the check in the bank, and the next day at the funeral said this. This man was an ungodly sinner, wicked to the core. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> Don't compare yourself to anyone else. The standard is Jesus. Orberg also quotes from Dallas Willard and says, Dallas Willard often spoke about what's the definition of goodness? Is it great looks, lots of money, great sex, great food, great widescreen TV? He said, look at obituaries, and you don't see any of those things mentioned. Because that's what not that doesn't define a good life. And whether you saw in the papers a couple of weeks ago, Chesney Hawks, any of you remember him? He wrote a song, I am the one and only. No, no one else knows that song. Clearly not. It was very popular in the, I don't know, 80s, 90s, I don't know. But he was in a plane recently and it, it, it plummeted by 20,000 feet and they thought they were going to die. And so he writes in this article about how he sent a message to his children. And he didn't send a message saying, well done, your latest exams. Not that exams are bad, work hard. He didn't send a message saying, I love that you wore a brace and had your teeth straightened. We love you all the more. He just wrote a message to them and said, I love you and I'm proud of you. I love you. And they got out of the plane, obviously, and then apparently he deleted them. I don't know why he deleted them. You don't have to say that when you die into your children. Good life isn't about what we amass or how comfortable life is. The good life is connected to a person. My time's gone. I can see we've only got a couple of minutes. So let me just say a couple of things. Don't compare yourself to anyone. A few years ago, I was at a conference. Have you heard me tell this story? And this man, if you can go to the next picture on the screen, that's there. This man, Jensen Franklin, was speaking. He was preaching really well. He preached about God in his perfection, number seven, and man always trying to be like God. And I was, I was listening to this man, and everyone was leaning in, and they're all making notes. So I thought, this is a good preacher. And then he talked about the church that he leads, and oh, he spoke about other things, his, his advice to 
dare I say, President Trump. I'm not commenting on that. I'm just saying this is what he said. And I'm thinking, this guy's influential. And I'm listening to him, but I phased out totally when he threw a comment out where he said his age. He's almost the exact same age as me. And I didn't hear anything else he said. All these people are thinking, what a wonderful preacher. I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, your, your hair is amazing. And you're the same age as me, Jensen. And I started to compare myself to Jensen Franklin. Why do we do that? Who cares that he's got a full head of hair? Come on, I need some support here. It's not a sign of your masculinity or your spirituality or anything like that, is it? We compare ourselves to the strangest of things. The comparison is not the person next to you. Goodness isn't defined by the person next to you. It's defined by Jesus. A man came to Jesus one time. This is in Mark chapter 10. And he's called, if you look at some versions, the rich young ruler. Wow. He's got everything going for him naturally. The rich young ruler. And he says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, with everything he had, he knew he did not have it all. With everything he had, there was something missing that his richness, his youth, and his authority didn't give him. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, follow the law. And, oh, I followed all of that. In other words, I'm as good as the next person. I, I've never done any harm. But Jesus went straight to the core of the issue with the man. He said, okay, this is not a rule for all time, but he said to this man, sell all you have, because his richness was the issue that was an obstacle between him and God. Sell all you have and give it to the poor, come follow me. The Bible says in Mark chapter 10, and the man went away sad because he worshiped something else rather than the creator, Jesus. Who defines good? And Jesus said this, no one is good except God. Oh, and if I had another 10 minutes, but I haven't, I'd like us to focus on the goodness of God because do you know how good he is? In every way, in his mercy, in his grace, and the goodness that you and I have is not by us trying to earn it, but rather when we come into Christ, Christ comes into us and the righteousness of Christ is imputed to us so that when God looks at us, he looks through the filter of Jesus. You and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can't be any more righteous than you are because it's not your righteousness, it's his. We don't sing it anymore and we probably won't sing it. I'm too old. There's a beautiful song we used to sing. He is all my righteousness. I stand complete in Him and worship Him. It's all my righteousness. But I can produce more fruit that's keeping with that righteousness. 
I was walking down the road with my grandson. Grandkids are the best, aren't they? And uh, we're holding hands. I'm going to hold hands for as long as I can with him. And there's a tree at the bottom of our road that's in someone's front garden. It's unusual because it's an apple tree. And there are not many gardens where you find apple trees in the front. And honestly, we've walked past it many times, and I always comment, and we've spoken to the people in past years. It's the most abundant apple fruitful tree you've ever known. It drops so much to the floor, and I want to pick them up. And they said, oh, help yourself if you ever want them. I'm going past the other day with, with Caleb, my grandson, and I said, look at that tree. That's an apple tree. It's going to have loads of apples on it soon. And I spoke to the, the guy who was standing there, and his wife said, oh, I love, I love your apple tree. And they said, yeah, but this year it's got hardly any fruit on it. It's, it's, the apples, for some reason, are not coming through. Now, I don't know about gardening, and they didn't. Well, they seem to know more than me. They said, oh, some years you don't get a bumper harvest. But I said to them, but it's an apple tree. And it's meant to produce fruit. In keeping with its identity. You will do good because you are good and we do goodness out of our identity of who we are not in order to earn any favor with God you've got favor with God because of Jesus he's all my righteousness I stand complete in him and worship I'm accepted because of the beloved I don't have to strive but I will produce more fruit if I'm an apple tree I'll produce apples and if you're a follower of Jesus, you will produce fruit. And sometimes when it comes to the book of Ephesians, I've got to finish. And it talks about good works and prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2 verse 10, you know that verse. If any of you know it, or look it up, Ephesians 2 10. That we are, God has created us for good works. Saved by faith, we will then do good works. I wonder if sometimes we've got the good works mixed up of what we think they should be. Maybe this is a good work right now that you're doing. You're worshiping with the company of the saints. Maybe a good work is that you read your Bible. Because when I see the Holy Spirit poured out on the early disciples in the book of Acts, once the Spirit had filled them, this is the kind of thing they did. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Acts chapter 2, 42. They devoted themselves to prayer. Maybe prayer is a good work you can engage in. It says they gave to anyone who had need. Maybe a good word is your a work is your giving. It says they took communion together. When we take communion together, maybe that's one of the good works we are meant to do. Maybe a good work that you could do, let me close this thing and land this plane, otherwise I'd be here the rest of the day, is you could decide to do academy. Because in academy, you're going to be transformed more into the likeness of Christ. Maybe a good thing that you should do is join a small group, a connect group, because in the abrasiveness of fellowship, that's a good phrase, isn't it? Something will be knocked off you and something will be formed in you that's more like Jesus. Maybe doing a Bible reading plan. Maybe being more regular on meeting with the church, because great to see you all. Thanks for coming. Good you're online. Great in other locations. But some of you, 
dip in and out when you fancy. It's not about your fancy. It's about being devoted to Jesus. And there are some things that are good works that will help us become more like him. Because you see, he became like us so that we might become like him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Oh, Jesus, thank you for coming. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for illuminating our hearts, pouring the light in there that we may see and understand. Thank you for your example, Jesus, in everything. Thank you that you are God and you are good. And that as we behold you, we become like you. Help us to fix our gaze, Lord. Forgive us when we're distracted from other things that are less important. Forgive me for amassing stuff and comparing myself with others. I want to follow you, Jesus, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. On that amen, we're now just us in the room. The other locations have been released. So I just want to ask you in the room here, if you're not a follower of Jesus, it starts with a first step. But it is only a first step. And we're not promising you, oh, and it's all going to be easy from now on. But we are promising you that he'll stay closer than a brother. He is the font of all wisdom. He'll give you purpose in this life and the promise of eternal life you follow him. So I'm going to pray another prayer. This time we're all going to pray it out loud together. And after this, we're going to sing a song of worship together. Honor him. Even in our worship, it helps to transform us into the... That's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to focus on Jesus. And a byproduct is we get changed. We're going to focus on him. But if you've never followed Jesus or you've gone away from God and you want to come back to him today, you can use this prayer that we're all going to pray out loud. I like to ask the church to do it to help those that are doing it for the first time or recommitting. Then at the end, I'll just simply ask you to raise your hand if you're saying yes to Jesus today. Let's bow our heads again and pray. Say this out loud. Lord Jesus, I trust you. I trust you to take over my life, to be my Lord, my leader, and my Savior. Thank you that you came for me. I give you my life. Forgive me for trying my own way. I want to be a follower of you, Jesus. Thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. So with your heads bowed, eyes closed. That's you. You prayed your first time today. Was a recommitment. You prayed that prayer. So as we can celebrate with you and give you a gift. Anybody, just raise your hand right now in the room. Say, yeah, I have decided today. Anybody. So I can see you and we can finish. Thank you. Great decision. Anybody else saying yes to Jesus today? Great. I see your hand. Well done. Beautiful. Beautiful. Hey, God is good, isn't he? God is good, isn't he? I love preaching that message. I so enjoyed that. I hope you did. I'm not as bothered whether you did as much as I am at the moment. I just really enjoyed focusing on Jesus. 
focus in on Jesus. He became like us so that we might become like him. Come on, let's worship him. Let's stand to our feet and show our appreciation to Pastor Steve for that great message. Thank you for listening to the C3 podcast. If this message has spoken to you today in some way, we would love to know. Reach out to us at hello at the c3.uk. And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, why not consider giving by going to the c3.uk forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.